Turn to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're continuing our study of the book of Ephesians. We're still working through verses 8 through 10 in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. This is the Word of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by God's grace, not by our works. Salvation is a gift from God. There's nothing any human can do to earn salvation in Christ. None of our works are good enough. Not baptism, not faithful church attendance, not the right theology, not serving the poor, not selling everything and giving to the poor, not fostering orphans, not adopting orphans, not starting orphanages, not living amongst and serving the poorest, most needy people in the world, not sharing the gospel with every man, woman, and child that you ever meet, not selling everything and serving as missionaries to an unreached people group, not waiting until marriage, not having a good marriage, not being a good parent. Salvation is all grace. It's a gift. It's not a result of our works. We could never do anything to earn it. Uh, C.S. Lewis once walked into a room where a couple people were having a conversation and they were perplexed. And so they asked him the question that stumped them. Uh, it says, what's the one thing that separates Christianity from all other world religions? And he said, that's easy. It's grace. Every other world religion says that if you do enough, you will be right with God. Christianity says God did enough to make us right with Him. We're saved by grace. It's a gift. So um, a couple examples of those other world religions. You can take Catholicism and Mormonism. Um, Catholics say that it starts with grace, and then you do things to keep that grace. It's like uh, God gives you enough to get started, but then it's up to you to keep the pace. And we say that God gives you sufficient grace at the beginning, grace that you could never lose, uh, grace that will indeed last to the end. Or how about Mormons? I used to have a Mormon friend who told me they believe that you do all that you can do and when you get to the end of your goodness and your good works, that's when grace takes over. So Catholics say it starts with grace, but then you keep the pace. And Mormons say that it starts with you, but there is grace available if you need it. Both say that our works contribute something to our getting saved. And the Bible says that that grace, God's grace, is our only shot. Because even our best works are soaked in sin. We could never do enough, not even close. Uh, Listen to this passage, it's a familiar passage to some of you. Isaiah 64.6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean. Even in that word, if you travel through the Old Testament and you see... When someone is unclean, they're kicked out of the congregation. They can't be unclean uh, in the presence of God and His people. So that word is even, you know, we've become like someone who is unclean. 
says, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. The NIV says, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Now, many of you know this, but if you don't, what this passage is doing is it's comparing even our best works with used menstrual rags. So if you take all of your righteous deeds, all of your best works from your life, and you add them all up, all you're doing is making a bigger pile of used menstrual rags. Think about it. The more you pile your works together in an effort to earn God's favor, it actually gets more offensive. Because a bigger pile is more offensive than a smaller pile. The requirement uh, for salvation is blameless, spotless, perfect righteousness. Even one sin, and we're not blameless, we're not spotless, we're not perfect, we're not righteous. And we all have more than one sin. We're soaked in sin. Even our best works are filthy rags. We're not righteous. Jesus is our righteousness. We cannot be saved by our righteous deeds. We're only saved because we get credited with Jesus' righteous deeds. Only Jesus perfectly fulfilled God's commands without sin. Only Jesus is perfect, spotless, blameless, righteous. He alone is worthy of being in God's family. But because of God's grace and mercy, Jesus took God's sin, our sin on Himself. Our sin was credited to Him. His righteousness gets credited to us. All to say, salvation is in Christ alone, by grace alone, not grace plus anything we can do, by faith alone, not faith plus works, not our work, God's work. You know, it brings us back to Ephesians. God predestined us in Christ before the world began. That's God's work. He adopted us into His family through Christ. Again, that's His work. Jesus redeemed us. He paid for our sins. All this is a gift from God. And as we talked about last week, even the ability to believe is a gift. God caused us to be born again and fit us with saving faith in order to believe in Him. By grace we have been saved. Nothing we can do. Not anything we've done. Alright, any thoughts or questions to that point? Question. Um, I've had some people, or I've had people talk to me, um, I guess who put a lot more emphasis on works uh, in salvation. They use like James 2, like they use the Bible, like saying that you're justified by works or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what do you say to people when you want to say you know, justification by grace alone, through faith alone? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say, Dr. Young has put it this way, and I like the way he's put it, so I'm not going to change it. But he says, our works are not meritorious. They don't earn us anything, but they are necessary. They are a uh, necessary outflow of someone who has received grace is uh, does have works. And that's actually where we're going next. So... Hold on to that, and if it's not sufficient for you, uh, you can ask it again, all right? or tweak it at the end. So, all that said about grace, not works. Though we are not saved by works, we are saved for works. That's what our passage says. So, look, at, look back at the passage in Ephesians. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Though we're not saved by good works, we are saved for good works. And as far as I can see, uh, this is the most important balance to maintain in the Christian life. On the one hand, we must hold dear to the fact that salvation is all grace, not works. On the other hand, we must champion the fact that those who have been saved, the very purpose of our existence as saved people on earth is good works. Um, Again, going back to, uh, I mentioned Catholicism earlier. Catholicism says grace comes in the beginning and then we do good works in order to get saved. Grace plus works. That's not what our passage says. Our passage says that God's grace comes and completely saves us, and as saved people, we do good works. Um, So I don't know if that's helpful in talking about your passage, but the reality is, I think it's those who are uh, made right with God do have good works, and there's not an exception, you know. And so, um, anyway... In fact, our passage says that God gives grace to rescue us and then recreates us in Christ. And as new creations created by God in Christ, we do good works. Um, Not that they contribute anything to earning our salvation. We can only do good works because we're saved, at least as as it prescribes. We're not saved by works. We are saved for works. So if we're going to get the balance right, we need to understand uh, regeneration or the new birth being born again, because that's really the great transition in our passage today. And that's the great transition in our lives that will help us have a right understanding of works, the transition from death to life. Look back at all of Ephesians 2, uh, starting in verse 1. Verse 1 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive. By grace you have been saved. So we were dead, God made us alive, and this is God's grace at work in our lives. Uh, We could never have earned it, we were dead in our sins. Spiritually dead, that is. Jesus earned salvation, then then God gifted us with salvation that Jesus earned, bringing us from death to life. Verse 8 and 9, kind of continuing this, by grace you've been saved, not works. But then there's verse 10, and it tells us the result of this new life being breathed into someone. What does it look like for God's grace to come into someone's life? A new creation. The dead come to life. So, um, grace is not just a concept. It's a transforming reality. We are God's workmanship. He created us in Christ Jesus. It's all a work of His grace. He rescued us from sin. He recreated us in Christ. And He recreated us so that we would walk in the good works that He prepared for us. Now look, um, many of you, like me, have been freed by the wonderful news of God's grace, freed from always feeling like you have to earn it, but never feeling like you could. Freed from, as we talked about and and laughed about, I don't mean to make fun of it, but freed from walking down front again or saying the prayer again just to make sure that you meant it. You know, well, maybe, maybe I didn't really mean it those first 14 times. Because... We've grown in knowing that God's grace is full and final and sufficient. Um, That said, we grace lovers can tend to swing the other way and not be too concerned about how we live. Because we hear so much that our works can't save us, we can devalue the place of Christian works 
or works, good works in the Christian life. We emphasize grace, and we should. And I don't think we could emphasize it enough. But if we're going to remain biblical, our emphasis of grace can't be disconnected from a right emphasis of good works. Um, so, some of you may have found yourselves in conversations with friends or family, and, and you're trying to talk about grace, not works. I mean, that's one of the things we talk about most around here, right? And they're trying to talk about, well, what about good works? You know, I mean, no, grace, not works. Well, what about good works? I mean, there's all this stuff in the Bible about good works, and that's a legitimate question that, that shouldn't frustrate us. The Bible talks an awful lot about good works, and a, a proper understanding of grace doesn't do away with good works. It puts them in their right place, and when they're, when they're in their right place, we're free to emphasize them uh, and do them. So a good example of the, the right balance here is in the life of John Newton. Um, John Newton was a ship captain in the slave trade in Europe in the mid to late 1700s. He would take African slaves on his ships in horrendous conditions and he would sell them um, to owners that would uh, to mistreat them is just so understated. I mean, they're treated worse than animals. But while working the slave trade during a storm, out at sea, Newton became a Christian. He was afraid that this, the boat was going to sink, and he called out to God, and he, he, became, he was born again. He became a Christian. He later became a pastor, and he became a hymn writer, and he wrote one of the most famous hymns, uh, maybe the most famous hymn in, in church history, which is Amazing Grace. Neuter, neuter, Newton, uh, Newton later became a pastor, and a mentor to a guy by the name of William Wilberforce. So uh, Wilberforce was in politics, and he was fighting the slave trade even before he became a Christian. He becomes a Christian, and he's thinking, you know, now that I'm spiritual, I should go live a life of prayer and solitude like a monk. And Newton counseled him to stay in politics and to fight the slave trade um, and not leave politics. He should stay. Newton supported him throughout. He loved God's grace. He wrote amazing grace. I mean, is there, is there a better statement of what we love to, and know to be true in, uh, as a summary statement in the Scriptures than amazing grace? He was also passionate about the abolition of the slave trade and an avid supporter of William Wilberforce. He knew he was not saved by works, amazing grace, but he was saved for works, and these good works, particularly in the slave trade, were one of the things that marked his life. So Wilberforce ultimately led the charge of the slave tra- uh, abolishing the slave trade in Europe, um, and Newton was still alive to see the end of it and, and rejoice in it. Um, and the abolition of the slave trade in Europe ultimately led to the end of slavery in the States. So the man most synonymous with ending the slave trade is William Wilberforce. But behind Wilberforce was his pastor, John Newton, author of Amazing Grace, champion of God's grace, passionate supporter of the abolition of the slave trade. So you see both things at work in his life. Saved by grace, not works, but indeed saved for works. And uh, we can see some of those works. Um, So then, question for you. As a Christian, is it right to work hard at good works? And I mean like work hard, like to exhaustion, depletion. Um, 
Why? There's more. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that by is that giving by heartburn? <laughs> Part of me feels like there's a fine line too, because I feel like if you get to the point of exhaustion, where you, I mean not exhaustion, but I feel like you can get to a point where you get kind of angry and you get so depleted. You know, we see where Jesus retreated at times, and mm-hmm. you get to the point where you're angry and you're just doing it because you think you have to. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has to be out of a place of an overflow of God's grace, and we should work hard with it. It's kind of both and. Mm-hmm. But I think if you start losing that, where it just becomes you're working in the flesh, working hard because you think you have to, mm-hmm. I think maybe you need to step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I think for anyone who labors in the things Jeremy's talking about at good works, you, we, our flesh loves, you know, to try and steal glory, and so we're all we we're always prone to slip back into the mindset of, this is why God loves me. You know, look at me and look at those other people, and I mean, obviously, I'm doing pretty good, and you you kind of slip back into the whole thing of, you know, working to earn God's favor, not remembering that we have God's favor in full. So it is a both and. Um, Chris, it's also best to do those good works. I think inside your spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the skill sets that God's given you, us, me? Mm-hmm. You know, what are those gifts? Because you will definitely be exhausted if you're trying to do something outside of your spiritual gifts that someone else has assigned for you to do mistakenly. That can also come to burn out. Mm-hmm. I think exhaustion it might not be biblical. Um, you know, the, the idea of work was pre-fall. Um, exhaustion and toil um, is post-fall. Um, I think part of redeeming work and redeeming our good works that we're, is to um, enjoy them. Have a, you know, um, and, you know, when you get to the point of exhaustion, this is just the, the idea of exhaustion. I'm not sure if that's something to try to attain when really Christ tells us to abide. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. seems a little, a little bit more passive. I know there's a active part that we're supposed to be playing, but when it gets down to John 15 and our union with him, he says abide. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if exhaustion is the thing that we should, should go for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of rooted in grace. I mean, I think exhaustion will happen. Yeah. Least, but I'm not so sure if that's right. Yeah. Do you sleep good every night when you go to Cuba? Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. Well, m- you know, maybe I, so. But, but I should. But yeah. We're dealing with what's reality versus what's, yeah. you know, um, what's biblical. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, I was thinking about, um, of course, the not the life of Jesus. I can get, I mean, we're not Jesus, but even the commands of Jesus, you know, take up your cross, follow me. I think there's an a part of which we should expect that the Christian life is going to be hard. We're going to find ourselves depleted. We're going to find ourselves, even though called and maybe gifted in certain ways, they're not. Even those gifts are not natural to us. You know, there's natural skills 
that are not necessarily spiritual gifts. I'm gifted in ways spiritually that I'm not that are not natural to me and that are exhausting to me and that I have to depend on God for every time. You may not think that, you know, speaking is one of those, but it is. I mean, I my natural tendency is not to get up in front of a bunch of people and speak. Um, now, it's a spiritual gift that I think God... But I'm constantly having to depend on Him for that. And I think there's a way, if I try to do that in my own strength, you know, even leads to greater exhaustion, depletion, that sort of thing. I was thinking this week about uh, Romans 12.1. I'll read it to you. It's a familiar passage, but um, it says... Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So what Paul has done all through Romans 1-11 through is just spell out and break down the grace of God, the mercy of God. It's all about grace, Romans 1-11. through um, And he's then changing gears and appealing, uh, you know, he, he's reminding them of what he's just talked about. It's all grace. I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And I was just even thinking about, you know, a living sacrifice, um, which is our worship, our bodies. Present them to God as a living sacrifice. Not to earn it. We've already earned it. It's all because of mercy already given, full grace already received. It's only possible because of God's grace and mercy. But think about it. I mean, even that word, you know, sacrifices were animals that were slaughtered to death. And... Jesus was sacrificed for us. And I think living sacrifices, presenting them their bodies in worship to God, can expect at times to be depleted, exhausted, even hurt in the process. Um, I, I think the you know nuances of what you guys are saying are good, I, but I think it's absolutely right to work hard uh, at good works, even to exhaustion. You know, I was laying in bed the other night. Um, Monday's my off day. And I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I've, I've embraced working all the other days and really uh, trying to get everything away from Monday in order to rest. And, you know, like today it'll start early afternoon. But just really, that's kind of my weekend. Uh, but there was something a couple weeks ago, and it, it was just one of those weeks where, like, things stacked up all week, and I was already particularly exhausted when I got to Sunday morning, and then it was an all-day Sunday thing. And... Um, and there were two things that happened, popped up for Monday that I just couldn't avoid. I mean, it was one of those things, it's like, you're not going to say no. I mean, one of them was a guy that was in Lakeside, you know? I mean, it's pretty urgent. You need to go see him. But it ended up being five or six hours that day. And I woke up that day thinking, I'm more tired right now than I ever am on a Sunday evening or a Monday morning. So I laid in bed at the end of Monday night, and I, I was hurting, aching, exhausted, depleted. And God brought to mind, you're created for good works, recreated for good works. I prepared them for you so that you would walk in them. And it's not to say, I think, if I were to go like that every week, you wouldn't make it six weeks. You know what I mean? I mean, but at the same time, this was kind of an unavoidable thing that God had given. And so there's seasons of your life where you're going to be taxed beyond what is normal. You're going to be depleted, exhausted beyond what is normal. Um, I think it's actually very helpful to, to know this other side and to remember this is a part of your redesign. You know, I recreated you in Christ. I, you're born again and still here to serve, and sometimes that means um, 
you're going to be down and out. But um, that said, I like everything that everyone else was saying. You know, we talked in here a couple weeks ago, there are quite a few of you that are in the process of making some decisions regarding foster care and or adoption, and I hope and pray that that just starts it, and other people think that's a good idea. Um, But that is a work that will lead to complete exhaustion. I mean, that will be frustrating beyond belief at times. That will be exhausting beyond belief at times, uh, confusing. But I think it's, it's helpful to remember it's a part of our design in Christ is to be spent uh, in service in good works. But it's the balance we need to keep. We're saved by grace, not works. We're saved for works. We need to hear both all the time. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, you sit down with the Bible in the morning and uh, maybe there's a particular sin that's clinging closely and you just need to hear about God's grace. You, you feel like you're just failing, you know. And um, there's, on every page, you can find, you know, good news of God's grace and mercy. And it's all grace and no work and rest. And there are, um, you know, we can fall in, like I said, we're... we're been blessed with some opportunities to serve and then we can fall into thinking that we've earned something and we're reminded like in a passage today nope it's all grace not works there are also times when i'm you know in a bind and just need to be instructed in what to do um just tell me what to do where do i go and you know the commands are good for that as well in fact i think it's a great sign of christian maturity when we can delight not only in the passages about forgiveness and grace but also in the commands you know it's uh Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's a love story between the psalmist and God's Word because he loves his commands. He loves and delights in his testimonies. Um, You know, think about it in terms of the church's mission and message. I mean, it's both. Salvation is by God's grace in Jesus Christ, and that's the message we proclaim to the world, and we're saved for good works. And so, you know... I guess if, if you don't embrace that to some degree, the message never gets proclaimed, right? It's part of the work we're, we're to do. And our mission gets distorted when we emphasize one at the expense of the other. Um, so then, last question, we're out of time. Can we do the good works that God prepared for us to do? Yes. Anybody else? That's a good answer. So is yours, you know. But uh, you know, yeah. The shorter version. Jeff is an elder. <laughs> um, you know, on the one hand, absolutely we can. He prepared them so that we would do them. On the other hand, no, you can't do it at all. I mean, you can't do what God has called you to do in your own strength. You can't. And that's not just the big mission trip stuff. That's the normal day-to-day service in the home, service in the workplace. Uh, You know, can you be patient? Well, yes, you can because you have the Holy Spirit and that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, But can you do that in your own strength? I can't. You know, some of you are holier than I am, but I sure can't. Um, And so the... You know, even in the things that God has made it possible for us to do, 
we, we live in this dependent state, this helpless state, needing God to empower us uh, all, every day, every moment. There was a quote in, uh, we recently watched Shadowlands, the C.S. Lewis movie, and it's a good movie. There's a British version and an English, or an American version. And um, there's this moment, not to ruin the movie, but uh, C.S. Lewis was single for a long time. He falls in love with Joy. Joy gets sick. She's going to die. There's a moment of remission in her cancer. And uh, Lewis has this you know, religious friend, and he says, they call him Jack, and uh, say, Jack, I know so-and-so will scoff at this, but you've really been praying. And I know that's why this happened. And he says, well, that's not why I pray. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. And when he said that, I was like, I got you, man. I mean, that's we're helpless to do, even as redeemed, recreated, created in Christ, Christians with life in us and the Holy Spirit. We're helpless to do what God has called us to do aside from the daily abiding, as, as Will said, the daily remaining under God's authority, dependent on His strength for Him to empower us uh, to do what He's called us to do. So, amen. Um, there, it's, you know, it, whenever you ask these questions, I ask them so generally because I knew there would be different angles. Well, it depends on what you're talking about. I mean, that's true. You know, should we work hard? Are you talking about earning your salvation? No. Some people need to know to get off the treadmill and that you'll never do enough to earn God's favor. In fact, God could never love you more than He already does right now in Christ. Um, so anyway, that's that. Does anyone have any final questions? No. I think it's more semantics. I think that yes and no is, is the answer. Yeah. Well, and honestly, that's the way it goes on in our heads, isn't it? I mean, we're constantly kind of back and forth and sometimes able to really rest in the fact that it's all grace and I don't have a thought of works anywhere because that's what I need to hear right now. And there's other times when our focus is elsewhere. Both sides can be simple. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I, you know, I don't want to get exhausted. Or, you know, I'm working so hard that yeah. we said, like, you lose focus of what you're doing. Yeah. I like what you said, too. Uh, you know, we're out of time, but one more thought. Um, there's a story, a friend of mine, 
went to a church, and this guy was kind of the head evangelist. And I mean, they were street preachers. They would go out, and they were, it was near a college campus, and they were ministering the gospel. And I mean, this one guy, he was leading the charge. I mean, he was discipling these other guys to do it. But then my friend ended up living with this family for like six months and saw the condition of his marriage and his family, and it was uh, poor, to say the least. And so there was a moment where he was like, look, dude, the most spiritual thing you can do right now is stop going out there and evangelizing and investing in these people at the ne- to neglecting your home. So, you know, it's kind of like that. I mean, there, someone could hear that and, and say, oh, you're right, man, I need to spend, you know, 40 hours a week serving at that soup kitchen or whatever it is. It's like, no, um, there are, you know, spheres of responsibility that God has given us, and some of those most important ones, um, you know, for those with the family is right under our nose. So, Chris, you got like 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, something that came to mind on the heel of what you're saying is I think a mistake I've made in the past is trying to frame what ministry looks like and put it into these certain categories um, and really just understanding that I'm going to spend 80% of my waking hours between work and family. And if I'm not doing ministry there, then I'm wasting 80% the time I have on her. Mm-hmm. So I think um, just laboring just as hard with my four-year-old reading in the Bible as I do, you know, at a soup kitchen or whatever, uh, that's important. Not to be disrespectful. And not to feel guilty about the fact that that's where God has placed us. And this, these few people, I mean, these are some of the like you say, 80% of our time is going to be spent here with an opportunity to invest in these relationships as a Christian, you know, as a redeemed person to serve and not be served. And, um, you know, that's a good thought. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we were dead in our sins. You made us alive. It is by Your grace alone that we've been saved. And we do see, Lord, that You have saved us for good works. Uh, We desire to walk in them. But even then, we we need Your Spirit to empower us. We need Your wisdom to know when certain good things are getting in the way of the other things uh, that You've called us to do. And so, would You give us wisdom, discernment, uh, empower us by your Spirit to, to serve you faithfully, all the while remembering that it's all because of your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.